Welcome to Block to Block Podcast, where we discuss everything from my block to your block. I am your host, Queen Esther. Each week, Block to Block brings you new episodes. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to the latest episode, hashtag HMoney produced it with Harmony Samuels. Go listen to it because it is up and running now. Shout out to Harmony for hanging out on the block. Block to Block streams weekly on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Stitcher, too. And on Mondays, the Culture Play radio station. Uh, and if you miss Monday's episode, don't worry. Have no fear. I'm here. Because the repeat plays on Wednesdays. Same time. Thank goodness. Yes, sis. 11 a.m., 8 a.m. PST. Download all the apps for free. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Slide into our DMs and tell us what you think. At because it's blocked on Instagram and because it's blocked at gmail.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right into it. You had our guest on the other line. She over there crackleacking, nomming. Um, today's this episode. Funny. Right? Thank you, baby. Thank you. Today's episode, we have an amazing young lady who is passionate about education, primarily in the black and brown community. She teaches education and data analysis, as well as race, at a major research university. And she just so happens to be my sister in love. Now, I mean, she married my big brother. She married my big brother. Made me an auntie. Ow. She was the first to make me. You were the first to make me an auntie, girl. And you know, awesome. to my little niece, Kalechi. Um, so let's welcome to the neighborhood, Dr. Kalasia OJ. Hey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I have to say both Chichi and I and Charles are all subscribers to the club. Hey, that's what's up. Because you know you can always count on family. I'll tell you that yes. My family. It's so nice to be at the block. Thank you so yes. much for inviting me. It took me like nine weeks to figure out where the block is but i found it <laughs> i just was listening and listening and listening and now i'm here so before we get into it you know it's mandatory we have game time so uh let's play run around the block hey hey it's where i ask you a series of random uh-huh. questions and, and you say the first thing that comes to your mind ready hey 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 oh, oh. i'm 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 my my shoulders are going in a circular moment, so I'm feeling it. I'm not actually moving, but I feel it. I feel it going around the block. All right. Okay, first question. What's your favorite time of the year? Ah, uh, my favorite time of the year is now. I love it now. It's the holiday oh, yeah. season. Well, yeah. and especially, you know, in now having a small family you know halloween has a whole new meaning you not have an excuse to get candy and eat it so it's (laughs) the start of like halloween and then i don't know what everybody's parents were doing uh in november having kids but it's like everyone i love has november birthdays (laughs) Lord, it's me and your two other sisters and laws. All three of us is born in November, and that's because Come our on. parents. It's disgusting, I know, but I did the math, and um, <laughs> like nine, nine, ten months prior to that is February, and that's my parents' wedding right. anniversary. So right. it's a little disgusting. Right. It is a little disgusting, but yeah, but it's like uh, 
three sister-in-laws, my brother, some of my closest friends, then yeah. my uh, the Scorpio season, Sagittarius season, I'll have time because it's everybody's birthday. Oh, Thanksgiving, yeah. and I, I'm not going to lie, I am a participant in Black Friday. Love it. <laughs> um, Christmas, New Year's, birthdays, and then kind of ending with not necessarily just Valentine's Day, but Charles's birthday. Right. So it's like my extended holiday season. This is my favorite time. I love it. That's good. It's good. I love it too. It's more, I love it more. I mean, it's different now that I'm in the West Coast because I'm like, all my family's on the East Coast, but you know, with with this time of the year, like especially right after Halloween is when they bring all the Christmas things. Um, Mm -hmm. So you start, you start feeling the Christmas cheer, the Christmas spirit um in on the east coast yes like right now yeah yeah okay yes um worst food that you've ever tried oh the worst food that i ever tried oh (laughs) um so i have of course every reference points to anything has to do with your brother um (laughs) so when we were first dating uh, we had like the quintessential after work New York date. He's like, come meet me downtown Flat Iron District. I know this great Vietnamese spot. And I'm like, I right, boom, bet, you know, I got a man with a job and he's going to take me to the restaurant. Let's do it. So I hop on the train, meet him down there, the Vietnamese. And, you know, Charles has really good taste in food. Um, yeah. So I trust him when it came to this place. So we ordered two, um, like, chicken banh mi, like, the sandwiches thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if the neighbors are familiar with a banh mi sandwich, but it's, like, the chicken is, like, dark on the outside, but it's kind of, like, lighter, like, it looks like chicken. Okay. Um, Okay. But I took a bite, and I'm, like, nah, this is some, nah, it's not right. It wasn't it. It wasn't it. I looked down at the meat, Queen Esther, and it was like all small pieces of dark meat. And I'm like, this is rare. Oh. Oh, and I, yeah. and I, and I, I literally told Charles, I was like, I'm eating rat right now. We're eating rat right oh, now. Yeah. He's like, I can't even drink oh, the no. water that is with me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. How do you know? You never even tasted rat. I'm like, first of all, we're from New York. I'm from Harlem. <laughs> I know I've tasted rat. I've eaten rat before. <laughs> That's it. So, um, not that I oh, like bomb meat sandwiches. It's just that experience eating rat oh, was no. the worst. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh gosh! Okay. Um, what one skill do you feel is imperative to be success to be successful? A skill or a trait that you feel mm-hmm. is imperative to be just successful? just one. Oh, <laughs> just one. Okay, you, you can give us two. You can give us two. Yeah. Well, you know, we be going to going to church at the block. So I mean, honestly, it's, it's having faith, right? Ah, it's just having, it it really is. It's really believing in things that are not seen, and just having that conviction to know that that action, by having that belief, is going to come to fruition. Um, it, it, I think the most successful people have some connection to a higher power, whether you believe in a spirit or a God or not. It's just 
being yeah. connected and knowing that if you have that belief and faith, it's going to transpire. I think that um, can sometimes capture everything. Um, oh. And 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 another thing too is having self love. You know, wanting to That's see it. yourself succeed. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people do everything for everybody, uh, but sometimes you have to also give you or give yourself that same amount of love and support and acknowledgement. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I will first say, you know, I give it all, all thanks to the Lord up above and say, Hallelujah. Give it to me. <laughs> and I also, <laughs> I, 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 I honestly do believe that it's um, having self love for you, too. Okay, that's good. Okay. Uh, do you yeah. keep a journal? Do I keep a journal? I mean, like, now, but I want to. <laughs> like, I want to be one of the reflective persons that can somehow get a book out of all my feelings, but no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> truth truth be told. I cho- yeah, you know what? Yes, girl. I was just about to say that. Like, I try to keep to run around the block to focus on the guests and stuff like that. But um, I <laughs> I recently started journaling. I started at the very beginning of the summer. And Ooh. I, yeah, I make sure that I write it every day. Some days I don't because, you know, with life and work and the podcast, you know, part. running a whole podcast. Yeah. Are you know, you know <laughs> being, being the entrepreneur that I am. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I started it back in June and uh-huh. I titled it, I titled it Conversations with God. And I oh. literally just talk about, yeah, I just literally talk about my day, what happened, how I felt. And I literally talk to God as if, Obviously, he's got it. And he knows, but the way I write it is like I'm in, I'm very detailed. So I'm ta- I'm I'm asking I'm actually informing him like God, this is what happened today, and I and I spoke with this oh. person, and this person made me feel that way, and it's really really therapeutic. And you know, before oh. I never used to, you know, besides being a little girl and used to writing your dear diary, this is the first time I can say in my adult life that I've actually started keeping a journal and it was, it's really, really, um, it's so good. I love it. Sometimes I can't wait to get home and just write it. Sometimes, some days I'm like, Ooh, I'll write it in the morning cause I'm too tired. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But shout out to mama OJ for buying me that, that journal this summer. She bought it. She saw it and she, you know, did what the mother does and spoil her Shout daughter. out to yeah. Cause yeah, mama ain't never finished being mama OJ. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, I can get anything out that lady as long as I go to the store with her. Mama, can you get me this? And I have no problem because I didn't ask to be born. So yes. <laughs> Hold it down, mama OJ. Right. Hold it down, ma. Retired over that. Still helping me. Yes. <laughs> If you okay, next question. If you throw a message in a bottle into the ocean, what would it say? Oh, uh, if I were to uh, throw some message in a bottle, okay, okay. Um, how about you know? My message would say, uh, if you could read this, you a smart fish. So stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
God. Right? But, like, who does the ocean? choose like my old stop shop who is mm-hmm. not like a fiend for amazon like oh my god I, I have prime i just play little games with myself where it's like <laughs> they're gonna deliver before the same day they're gonna yes. do two hours and you know and sometimes <laughs> they do and i'm just like amazed how i can ask for the most random thing like right i don't even know like a, a book that's from 1975 that original text I'm like we'll have it here in 12 hours i'm like no, you don't. and then they do son i'm i told my i was on the phone with agnes the other day and i was i was like yeah um you know i'm trying to get an outfit for my birthday i was like oh but i'm gonna i need some i need something to cover my chest like what kind of bra she was like well, Amazon, get boob tape and i was like you know what amazon got everything okay they what? literally have everything but yeah and it, it, it's so even and for me who is a procrastinator right the fact uh-huh. that amazon has everything and it can come in within two days i don't think yeah. if amazon can do it right anybody can that's everybody right. can like, do it yeah. <laughs> right yeah and if you ain't about that life it's the stepping exactly <laughs> it's just same day delivery, thirty five dollars. Wow. Um, 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 you know, Amazon is it? You know. <laughs> okay. Last question. What do you wait for a discount? Oh, what? Wait. I, I wrote. I wrote it different. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. What do you wait for a discount sale to buy? Um. So what? Like, what do I wait for to go on sale? Yeah, pretty much. Sir. Yeah, I'm over here mm-hmm. trying to sound professional. Sis, what you be waiting for a discount? What, what you be waiting for? Yeah, 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 yeah. Before you say, I'm going to go get it. Well, that, yeah, yeah, because guess what? That's who we are. And we are professional. <laughs> and we are who we are. And that's it. Um, but you know what? I, I've really gotten into, I mean, and I'm kind of old and corny and, and goofy in some ways. So, like, when certain, like, uh, um, what are they called? Like luxury brands, but they're not really luxuries. Like casual luxury, that's what it is. Okay. Um, okay. When like casual luxury brands. So for a while, I was on like because I have kind of bigger feet. Like when Coach goes on sale, they have really comfortable mm-hmm. heels for me um, mm. to wear. But recently, and I'm don't want everybody to buy these shoes, but y'all gotta buy these shoes because they've just been so fired. Tory Burch has really stepped up, like, their design. Their really? Look. I got this fly pair of snakeskin oh, uh, nice. with, the, with the cranberry velvet um, part three-inch loafer on sale. And they're a little, you know, usually her boots and stuff are, like, Four hundred, five hundred dollars, but she has right now. She's having a sale too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
that that discounted by like maybe like a hundred, two hundred dollars off. I mean, oh, nice. really nice professional clothes and shoes. Um, nice. But most of the shoes and bags and really nice suits. So when she goes on sale, that's where you'll find me too. Two days, nice. three days, four days, I'm there. Oh, that's what's up. I know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. A lot of my friends I know love Tori. They have her shoes, they have her purse, her clothes. I personally have never gotten into Tori. I just never was feeling her designs, the look. Oh. But I'm not saying anything wrong with you, sister. I'm just saying no. I just, I, she never really, she never really did it for me. But I know a lot okay. of people that love it. Um, but next podcast follow up with the, with the the next person and say segment two of the Tory Burch phenomenon. I'm and gonna ask you to look at her boots and her shoes <laughs> right now. Not. Now that ain't now that ain't stopping. Ask the next neighbor if she, if she <laughs> right, right. And that ain't stopping Courtney if she want to reach out to me and let me do some promo <laughs> for her or do an ad for her. Yeah. I, I will rock a turtleneck. Tori Markovic, I got right. <laughs> listen, Tori, if you're listening or keychain, I will rock it and put the discount code and all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So don't don't let that stop you, Tori. Okay, right, Miss Birch right, is right, what they right. call you. Right, okay. Right. Right. And well, uh, another thing too, you can find similar looking boots and shoes by Tori uh-huh. that are cheaper. But okay. I, I I don't know this new line that just came out. I don't know. It's hitting a little different. I don't know. I might, know. Have, to I might have to check out. I mean, I'm going to just check it out. Ain't no guarantees. But again, <laughs> open to, to, to some promo for um, Tori. Okay. Well, that was one of all the blocks. Did you enjoy that? Oh, my gosh. I broke a sweat. I mean, I feel <laughs> rejuvenated. We even got to the meat and bones very thing. I want to go back to the five. I got, I got questions for you, but I can't because I'm oh. like, I mean, like, I love so it. We got, we got, we got XS at the end of this segment. We sure do. So if you got questions for me, sis, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into it, sister. Let's get to, to the nitty-gritty, okay? We're talking here about um, education in the black and brown community. And um, my first question to you should uh, be, how important is it to invest in the education of black and brown people in the community? Um, how important is it to invest in the education mm-hmm. of the black and brown community? It's, um, mm-hmm. to me, it's imperative, um, mm. and it's a top priority. You know, um, when I first started, uh, and I'm going to refer to you throughout as Queen Esther. Um, <laughs> me, I love that. Yeah. I love it. When I first started Queen Esther doing research on, like, the black-white achievement gap, like, mm-hmm. literally article after article uh, was about how much black and brown students failed when it, comes, when it came to their educational outcomes. Mm-hmm. So black and brown kids had lower grade point averages. Black and brown kids had lower standardized test scores. They took the least amount of advanced placement courses. 
they have the lowest rate of graduation when it comes to bachelor's degree attainment. And the only places in educational research that I really saw black and brown students outperforming white students was on negative outcomes, higher levels of suspension, higher levels of fluency, higher levels of dropout rates, you know, and it's like exactly your responses right now. Oh, dear God. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. That's that's how I used to like it was so tiring reading that and I felt really affected by it. It was very draining to me. And so um, when I started my PhD program, you know, I started Mm -hmm. learning about race, you know, and how Mm -hmm. race itself is socially constructed. Right. So in, in the social sciences, we will say that it's not based on these biological measures. It's not something we pass down in our genes that make us quote unquote different, but it's about how the world, our society kind of constructs meaning into mm-hmm. certain institutions and organizations like for instance, slavery that created narratives about how deficient we were because in order to enslave someone, you have to tell them that they're not human. Um, The experiences of black and brown people, but especially people of the African diaspora after slavery ends and there's just constant violence against black people by white mobs throughout all of the international uh, world, constant laws being created, colonialization happening in West Africa, all of these things are occurring and laws, the Jim Crow laws in the United States are all being created to limit opportunities for people of the African diaspora to have, have success in not only education and the workforce. So what I'm thinking about how if race is really socially constructed, that I know that all these deficiencies that we so supposedly have, right, are just kind of like remainders or residues of historical uh, and, and now also current events of racial inequities that I know yeah. and I, I will continue to try and fix. So I think like when you ask me about like how important it is, it is to invest in education, for me, it's it's important to invest in the formal process of education, like kindergarten to post-secondary, but it's also really important to invest in just learning, right? So I think Mm. about the um, West African Adinkra symbol of Sankofa, and it means to go back and get it. Or uh, another translation is like, it's not wrong to go back and, and, and bring what you may have forgotten. So that, this is the type of research that I do. So I go back and mm-hmm. I learn about our history and our story. And I understand that these kind of classifications that mark us as supposedly different, that literally mm-hmm. came to annihilating us, we're still not able to break us down because we're still here today by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So we can't mm-hmm. just see that our deficiencies are a part of our anatomy, right? It's a part of the social world that we live in. And um, I think learning, gaining more knowledge, pursuing degrees, valuing our 
heritage and our experiences are part of the imperative of education in our community. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. Um, so what exactly drew you into the field? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. touched on, um, you know, with, with uh, the negativity of seeing black and brown students, the dropout rate, school suspension. Mm-hmm. What are some mm-hmm. other, other race-related struggles um, experienced by African-American students throughout their schooling? Yeah, so I, th- I think, like, overall, Mm-hmm. Black and brown students enter into an educational setting. And I'm talking about any age group from pre-K or daycare up until mm-hmm. uh, PhD, where they're not literally asking for this, but 
there's an expectation that they should have similar experiences, a similar type of quality of school, same Mm -hmm. learning outcomes, same opportunities to just physically learn, and then have the same opportunities to go out into the world and get jobs. And yet asking for the same with black and brown students is asking for too much. Mm. And so let me not get too emotional, but it becomes a fight to just learn. Mm. So a lot of um, new research coming out, because it's not research really um, connected to the historical narrative of learning, is a lot of young Black girls don't feel like they belong, especially when they go to mixed-race schools. And because Mm -hmm. of simply not feeling like they belong, they they start to have um, behavioral issues. They don't want to stay in class. The teachers aren't responding to them um, in the same way. They're not doing as well in school. And so because of that, what is a misunderstanding because of something that is only an eighth of an inch thick, a.k.a. skin color, is now mm-hmm. translating into a continued effect on their life outcomes. And so mm-hmm. um, black and brown students, and then not even talking about kind of overcoming language barriers. Um, yeah. And also understanding that their culture, their experiences is also a part of the history of the United States is is asking for too much. Why Mm. should we have a focus on an Afrocentric curriculum? Why should we celebrate um, Hispanic Heritage Month or Latinx Heritage Month? Why should we Mm. have a presence in the school? You're not a part of that story. And and then that mm. becomes isolating for, for black and brown students. So mm-hmm. um, start, some of the research that I'm starting now is to work with and, and can you imagine elementary school girls who don't feel like they belong? Right. Elementary? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, maybe, you know, maybe like 12, 13, 14. But right. we're talking about 5 to 10. I mean, yeah. that's too much. Too much. Okay. Um, what do you say to some neighbors that feel education isn't necessary in order to be successful? Who told the neighbors that? Neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> who said that? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, you know, it it is hard because um I I understand education uh, feels like a daunting task. It takes a lot of time. It creates um, extra burdens. But, um, you know, it is a vehicle in which we as a community have always relied on to propel us and advance us forward. And I, I just think it's important to understand um, if if you're a, if people are going to make sweeping arguments about people that look like you, 
So that means they're talking about you. You mm-hmm. should want to know how they came to those conclusions. Mm. What kind of That's data good. did they use? You know, one of the biggest things now is they keep saying data is one of the most valued resources today. You know, this is why um, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, right, somehow just will follow what you're doing throughout the day because it's like mm-hmm. up to a billion people or rather impressions of what people's behavior looks like and they can just analyze that. And right. from a social scientist perspective, that's just unethical. Like you didn't give anyone consent or anything like that. But mm-hmm. for people who may not deal with that type of data and just data about people who look like you, whether it's statistical interviews, et cetera, you should want to know how they make sense of the world. What lenses mm-hmm. are they bringing? What theories are they bringing? And if it's a theory of deficit, then they're just going to find that in the data. Um, so education is so important. And people who look like us need to pursue their education so we can change that narrative of efficient or not exceeding as well when it's really about how we're processed through society, how we're classified through society. Change starts with us. Change starts with us. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I I know that you've been to an Ivy League school and I know you've been to a state school. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know, what are your thoughts on Ivy League school versus state school versus community college? Do you feel like mm-hmm. there's a difference? Does it mm-hmm. matter where you get your education from? Um, wow. I know yes, I know the block is going to be this high, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's high. It's high. Oh, like, yeah. you, you wow. went to an Ivy League school for your yes. master's, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then you yes. went for you went you you went to a state school for your doctorate. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I went to a private school. I went to a private school for both undergrad and grad. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to know your thoughts on Ivy League versus state school versus community college. And I can and then I can put my input on private school. Yeah. And so. Bear with me. Okay, so Ivy League, <laughs> it carries the the name with it. So even yeah. if you are not as, quote-unquote, well-prepared, you right. still have graduated. There is some value still in the Ivy League school. Mm. Um, the Ivy League school is very competitive um, for access into it or admissions. But again, once you mm. can, if you can get in, I mean, Mm -hmm. it can some ways solidify a lot of opportunities. But I would not discount the value of a state school. In fact, you know, I I can think of in in almost any state, a really strong public research university or state school. Um, And therefore, you should try to apply to those type of programs. You know, at the PhD level, you're really should not pay for school. 
And I know that I might sound crazy. I agree. Nah, son, <laughs> I agree. Okay, great. Like, you should find a program, especially at the PhD level, and I would, again, push so many. I mean, it is only 3% of the whole population over the age of 25 that has a PhD. And so it's less than, like, 1% for Black people, and then Black women is, like, 0.05 or something. So we're needed in academia. Um, mm. And usually, if you find a, I don't want to say a good program, but if you find a program that has a great fit for you, they should be offering you at least for five years um, tuition remission as well as um, a small stipend. Mm. Now, I got my PhD in the Midwest, so my stipend was like small, small. <laughs> it still was enough for me to afford yeah. life and and be okay, you know. Yeah, the thing yeah. is, is um, I think whether we want to deny it or not, college and, colleges and universities are now a big business. You know, I always yeah, tell I agree. people, like, academia is the best hustle out here, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer that we're, re- we're receiving education as a public good to benefit the citizens of the United States. Like, we are all right. consumers now. So you're paying mm. for what you supposedly want. And the, the problem with that is schools want money. And if schools yeah. want money, whether or not someone matriculates or finish school is not a priority. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's where the conundrum of the community college comes in where it can sometimes feel like I can it can be quick I can get a quick degree two years I'll be fine but in actuality a lot of I would think it's only like one out of five or 20 percent of people who attend a two-year program actually finish and you really have to watch out too for like not-for-profit versus for-profit community colleges and for-profit online schools as well watch out for those too oh yeah they give you opportunities quote unquote but they're in some ways not looking out for your success so look at i think you know ivy league they are good they carry a name but state schools are phenomenal they have great research um, opportunities great programs and usually come with support and I would say if you're not um, in need of quote-unquote remedial training or like quick pick-me-ups or refresher courses avoid community colleges at all costs and just go to a four-year that's good now give and me then, your take on uh, private schools. <laughs> so private So private school is a little especially the private school that I went to, um, which is uh which is a big school. So I say it has some kind of similarities of an Ivy League and a state school. So mm-hmm. so although it was private, it was very expensive, but the um uh the requirements to get in was kind of like competitive a bit once you're in 
it's like they carry a name, but it's also mm-hmm. they don't play when it comes to their money. They want their money. But what I liked about it was the class size was pretty much intimate from mm. from undergrad compared to grad. Like undergrad, I would say I had about maybe 30 people in my class. And then grad, I probably had about 20 in my class. Um, it's very intimate. You, it was, you were able to make a lot of connections, a lot of one-on-one time. I remember like a friend of mine went to, uh, uh, she went away and one of her classes, she said it was in an auditorium and it had like 200 kids. And I was just like, what? Like I've never. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) So, so the private school is more intimate. Um, and the school that I went to pride, pride themselves on the name because it had a division one basketball team and you know a Mm -hmm. track and stuff like that so um so it it had its perks but it also had its like um it had its downfalls but I think the most important thing to me that stood out to it was the intimacy that you can you know if you were having trouble you can see a professor for one-on-one time you can um, make up the work you you know it was it was easy to reach the professor and make that connection uh, along with um the students other classmates it was easy to make that peer connection as opposed to you know going to a classroom can you put my name down and no the professor right. didn't know if you right. were in class or not um but yeah right. I, I think i think that's what it and then there's also my school pride themselves because a lot of celebrities um, went to that school and graduated from that school. Um, wow. Yeah. I think, I well, think, I think that's I think important that you bring that up. Like, yeah, if you need to know one about like what learning style works for you. If you went yeah. to a big university and you just did not work, maybe you need to take the kind of private school track. And it doesn't right. necessarily mean you have to enroll fully be a major in something and then totally mm-hmm. make sense of what that major means. That could be taking yeah. one course, feeling out what that supposed major you would want to um, focus and study in, you know, right, figuring right. out what, what works for you. And I, and um, I also like the point of like, yeah, private universities, they may sound pricey and stuff, but mm-hmm. again, as long as you can find the right space for you, um, yeah, that may outweigh going to a state school because not all, all programs are created equal. So right, you know, right. an, an Ivy League institution may have a really great um, biology program, but then their anthropology program might suck. So it's not mm. like across the board, every program is perfect. Right. At, from Ivy League down to community college, each institution has its strengths. Um, mm-hmm. And when you can go to a school that meets the strengths of what you want to do, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Ivy League, public or private. It's just a good mm-hmm. fit for you. Yeah. And so that brings me to my next question. Um, what do you say to some neighbors who are avoiding school because of the fear of accumulating debt? <laughs> I mean, I hear I hear you, you know, I, I yeah. neighbors, I know, I, I know that feeling <laughs> in some way. Trust me, I, I know it. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, 
but uh, kind of just going back to what I was saying before, um, I mean, well, one, so the United States in general has rolled back affirmative action programs in, in general, despite 400 years of slavery, stealing um, actual bodies from countries in Africa, you know, there's no need for repayment for any of that. <laughs> mm, right, right. So a little bit of development we had with Brown versus Brown versus Board of Ed in 1954 and then 1965, the second part. Um, yeah. There have been new Supreme Court cases that say no, and you know, race does not need to be an actual factor. Um, hmm. But that doesn't mean that there are not scholarships, for instance, that are targeted for. Um, people of color. So um, if you can in any way connect with a potential mentor or someone who you find or found as helpful at any stage of your academic career, use Mm -hmm. them, you know, use them to help you figure out what would be the best option because they may have had, you may want to emulate them and become, a, let's say, a teacher or a social worker or a psychologist, et cetera, and they may have mm-hmm. more avenues. But I do think that the competitiveness of a program at, like, the master's level may have kind right. of limited amounts of scholarships. But if you're thinking right. about getting a Ph.D., you should not even be paying for it. You should just mm. not. In five years, you should finish your Ph.D., at most, you know, but, you know, sometimes it goes longer than that. Um, A lot of schools have funding for it. Watch out for schools that are for-profit and do not want to see you succeed. Yeah. And in that case, going to your state school minimizes cost. So there's ways to navigate this stuff. You know, every block ain't the same, but once you get to the block, You'll find your way, you know. <laughs> That's what's up. That's true. That's true. And then there's also a lot, which, you know, I know there's grants and there's scholarships. Like, I went to, for my undergrad, I had um, a part scholarship. So I was able to save some money on that. But when I got to my master's, it was all loans. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I got into college in my undergrad that I was talking to my guidance counselor and she informed me that there are literally grants out there for everything. If you know how to write with your left hand and your le- and your, if you know how to write with your left and right hand, there's a scholarship for that. If you know how <laughs> right. to write, right. Like I think there's a special name for that. I forgot what it's called, but like there's, a, there's even yeah. grants. Would you say what again? Ambidextrous. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're so smart girl. Oh, yeah. Um so there's, there's scholarships for that. There's scholarships um if you're a single mom and you want to go back to school, there's scholarships for that. There's scholarships if you work for the city, um, there's scholarships for that. There's also special programs that if you um go into the field as a teacher a social worker and a nurse, I think like that. They, there's like loan forgiveness. There's so much things right. that you can that look into. Really important. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, there's so many things that you can look into that shouldn't be holding you back from continuing your education if that's something you want. Um, even when I was in school, there was this guy 
who was in school literally for seven years. And taking getting your undergrad doesn't take that long. But the fact that he kept, like, wanted to go change his major and do this other thing and do this other thing. And he was finding grants for it. So at, at some wow. point, if you're going to school. Yeah, if you're going to school and they're allowing it, you know, and a lot of people go to school to avoid paying their loans back. Like, if you have loans and then you go back to school, it goes into deferment. So a lot of people do that, yeah. Right. And let's yeah. let's um let's see some myth busters, right? Like um, yeah. first first of all, when they when there's reports by the National Center of Educational Statistics, like this percentage of people graduate college, it's it's never in four years. It's on right. average six right. years. Right. So right, if you're feeling right. like I already put in three and I need two more years to graduate, that you're still on average. <laughs> Right? Yeah, so don't yeah. feel like, yeah, in any way, if you want to pursue that bachelor's degree, that you have to do that four years. Keep going. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know anybody that, that finished college in four years. Just me. But um, anyway. <laughs> oh, well, you're different. You're different. I mean, I'm the one girl. I'm the one girl in college, but she like did liberal arts. <laughs> the only people will shake the majors. <laughs> But can you but can you imagine someone who wants to or one of our neighbors who hears this and says, Oh man, I haven't just can't finish it. It's like, no, right. not let what the world sets out for you so be true. the reason why so you true. don't make and maximize who you are. And the second right. thing is too, this whole perception that like everyone's on campus throwing frisbees, having fun. Yeah. It's like <laughs> over 70% of nationally students are commuters, you know, who do not live yeah. on campus. So, yeah. again, you can't afford that life of staying in a <laughs> box with two other people and you're sharing a yeah. bathroom. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> campus and commuting so I loved absolutely loved living on campus I loved having I only had one roommate but we had a community bathroom where we shared with all the girls on our floor which was absolutely disgusting I never want to go down memory lane became memory lane with that because it is absolutely disgusting girls I'm so sorry some of you are so nasty and especially on Friday nights when you guys would go out partying and come back and throw up everything that you ate oh my gosh oh my gosh disgusting (laughs) wow I'm hyperventilating but but you you still love that (laughs) oh my god despite despite that I had a cousin Shout out to Nketi, who was an RA, and I would I would go to her bathroom. I, I used to be like, no, I can't, because she's an RA, so she had her own bathroom. She didn't have yeah. to have a communal bathroom. So I used to be like, I'm taking a shower here. I would go up to her room with my shower caddy and my robe on, take a shower there, and that's it. Um, but <laughs> despite that, um, I loved, I loved the connection that we had. You would 
wake right. up. Like I would, I'm not, a, I'm not a morning person right now. Like as I get, an, as I am an adult, I'm kind of getting used to it. But then <laughs> I wasn't a morning person, so I would literally wake up, brush my teeth, and go straight to class. And you can go to class with your slippers on and your little socks and stuff like that. In between classes, you you go back to your dorm, you relax, you take lunch, you sleep. But I love the community of friendship that we build. I love so true, um, so true. Yeah, it's just my lifelong friends that I have now, um, with an exception of a few, I met in college. Um, wow. And yeah, I loved it. And I, I kind of think that I wouldn't have gotten that kind of experience if I commuted my entire college career because I would literally just go to school, do a few classes, maybe talk to a few um, classmates, and go home. School and home, school and home, but. Um, when I started commuting, I had already experienced living on campus. So after class, I would meet up with a friend like, hey, you want to catch lunch? You know, that kind of thing. So I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And y'all well, know my personality. You know, like, I can kick it with anybody. You, so yeah, like, use the social butterfly. Now, again, me being a hood booger from Harlem, I'm like, <laughs> my my most happiest moments was the first time visiting my college campus. And going to the dining hall and being like, "Really? I got, oh yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got access to all of this. Like I can eat like <laughs> you, you cookies. <laughs> like not that all. It's so especially especially when you had the money on your card and you felt like, Yo! oh my god, I can get this whole cafe. Like let me. Like, yeah, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you that. Need to I got you. along with you, you know, and I think 
you know, we, you may like go through the motions of like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm doing this now. But what you're doing is not only so important, it's like, you know, our heritage and our legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, that we mm-hmm. are based in African communalism. Like everything we do yeah. is about community. So, yeah. um, you know, being either like the children of immigrants or being immigrants, you know, we've made a way. You know, mm. the history of Black people or the era of self-help in the 1900s, where they were just so fed up with the federal government in the United States being like, we're not going to help you. You have to figure it out on your own. And what happens? Well, they create the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, right? They mm. established the National Urban League to help yeah. uh, Black people have employment opportunities. So. It's never been for people of the African diaspora just about higher education. It's only, I mean, because one, we've been barred from it historically. <laughs> we've always had to create. We've always had yeah. to make our own space. We always have a lineage of just trying mm-hmm. and in some ways doing so well, people appropriate. If I, say, if I see in the next three weeks or so a street to street podcast, with Queen Festa, I'm going to be mad. But if you have to, right? But it's just so important right. to invest in you when you don't, yeah. when that's the faith, that's going out and going out on that list. It does not have to be in higher education because even so I, so I do data analysis and research methods. So I will figure out how to create and construct an interview. I want to measure certain concepts. So I create questions around those uh, concepts. What does that sound like? This interview oh. right here, you know, right. it's you collecting right. data on the black community, you telling us about what is the pulse of what we need to know. From mm. film, comedy, love, um, human resources and learning about, right? It's all about understanding who we are and yeah. showcasing that. You didn't need to get a degree in, in data analysis. You do that already. And I think that's, that's important cool. to recognize that it doesn't have to always be through these formal channels. Um, yeah. It's good to have them. It's good to have a team. We talk in teams that at least somebody does. Um, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. have to be the only thing. It doesn't have to be our everything because we are mm. we, our heritage and our legacy is, has always been in creativity to advance us. And that's powerful that's, in, the, in and of itself. It's absolutely powerful. Absolutely. That's dope. Um, we are running out of time, but I just realized, no, I didn't realize just now, but in the middle of our interview, I realized that I did not ask you, who are you, where you are, where you're from, and what do you do? So I'm so sorry. The neighbors need to know. Obviously, you know, we've been talking. Obviously, they know you're from Harlem. They know what you do. Mm-hmm. But to be clear, reiterate this. I'm so sorry. Let the neighbors know no how are you, where you're from, and what do you do? My official title is 
Appalachia as OJ. I'm a New Yorker. I'm from Harlem, and I'm an assistant professor of race and education um, at a Research One University. So I teach, as Queen Esther talked about, classes on research methods, education, mm-hmm. and the African diaspora. Um, mm-hmm. I'm considered a quantitative scholar because I deal with statistics or data analysis with data sets. Um, and my research currently focuses on, as we talked about, Black girls, sense of belonging, millennials, labor market outcomes, how much do they make, what type of jobs they have, based on their educational credentials. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm here. You are you are here, sis, and you are alive, kicking. I love the energy. Um, but as we close out, let the neighbors know who, um, where we can hear more from you, um, or learn more about you. Are you on any social media? Do your plug, sister. Do your plug. Mm-hmm. Phone connected to plug. Real hot girl. <laughs> um, I'm on Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Kalasia. My first name is OJ PhD. Um, and I have a profile and you connect to my web page that I'm building now. I think it's like WordPress, Kalasia OJ, backslash Kalasia OJ. But go to Twitter, follow me, Kalasia OJ, PhD. Um, trying to be the post of black community in some ways, but Word. can't do that Word. without heading to the block first. Word. Awesome. So thank you once again to Dr. Kalasia OJ for bringing your knowledge to the neighborhood. Um, thank you to all the neighbors for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Here is a, a one-minute motivation from at Inspiring EC. Make sure you check her out on Instagram. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'll see you at the top. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Inspiring Ify, with this week's Motivational Minute. We are all vessels of energy vibrating throughout the universe. Selecting higher energies such as love and light help us to avoid being consumed by negativity. Remember, hate and anger is an energy that is chosen, whereas love is as natural as the air that we breathe. Allowing ourselves to be consumed by negativity only creates landmines to our happiness. Be porous to good energy, and you will eventually create a force field of positive vibes around you. Take care and God bless.